Good morning, everyone. Good morning, GT North. It is good to be with you all this morning. For those watching online, welcome. Beautiful Sunday, as Pastor Scott said, bright and sunny, right? Don't get, no, actually, I think the whole week is going to be pretty nice, right? All right. So I'm glad you came to church today because you have other days to enjoy the sun. Um, so today when you came in this morning, you would have received one of these, yes? Hopefully at GT North, you guys did as well. And for those watching online, if you come during the week or next Sunday, you can get one of these. But it's a magnet. Um, how many of you are familiar with Project Impact? Some, some, some. Good, wonderful. I'm going to walk you through it very quickly before I get started. So Project Impact, we launch a Project Impact book every year. We've now gone where it's online. So if you go to our GT Missions page, you can click on our Missions tab and or you could click on this QR code and see all the different projects that we support throughout the year. Um, by the grace of God and the generosity of our church, as Pastor Scott said, we're able to support many different ministries and a lot of different projects throughout the world. Um, some of the projects that were completed, pretty much all of them for last year were completed. So it's just incredible to be able to respond to our church partners, to our missionaries with a yes when they have requests. And I just want you guys to know that every little bit counts. We, um, I shared with the, the church this morning at 9 a.m. Um, last year, we closed our missions tips from just sacred grounds. Over $5,000 was given in tips alone for missions. And I was like, I know you probably don't get excited like I get excited. I think it's incredible considering you're getting coffee and a bagel and somehow $5,000 just for tips is incredible. And I'll tell you why it's so incredible because all of those monies help put missionaries on the field. All those monies help provide for a church. All those monies provide Bible translations for people who have never heard the word of God before. Why does this matter? Um, just some quick stats. Every man and every woman and every child deserves to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ before someone has the luxury of hearing it twice. Here in America, we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we are lucky, fortunate, whatever you want to call it, blessed that here in America, we still get to hear the word of God, right? We still have the opportunity to either tune in, social media, online, whatever it is, you get to hear the word of God. But in many places, they are not allowed or they have yet to hear the word of God. There are 7.7 .7 billion people on earth today. That's a lot of people. But 3.23 billion are unreached. That means they have not heard the gospel yet. They're still stuck in this 1040 window and you could do some research. You can check out Joshua Project. There's different websites online. You could stop by the missions hub and get information. But there's still many people on this earth that have not yet heard the gospel. And so when we talk about Project Impact and you see like the different projects that we're supporting, we understand the weight of what it looks like to take the gospel to nations where they not have heard the word of God. Interestingly enough, there is a difference. And I, I didn't mention this at nine o'clock. And as I was sitting there earlier today, I thought I want to explain something because I, I always hear different commentaries and it's like, there's a lot of work to do here. And you are absolutely right. But there's a lot of work to do everywhere. And here's the deal. There is a big difference between lostness and access. Here we have access to the gospel, but people reject God. In other places, there is no access to the gospel. And so we want to tip the scales as a, as a church. And last year, we decided that we were going to focus a lot of our monies into unreached people groups 
going to unreached places and giving towards unreached organizations. And one of the big projects that we support is uh, Project 42, which reaches people. They put frontline workers all the time on the fields, missionaries. They're sending missionaries constantly. And so when you scan the QR code or you go on our website and you check out the projects, if you have any questions, feel free to stop by our missions hub and ask questions. But we are determined by the grace of God to be able to make an impact on these numbers by the grace of God, because everyone deserves to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's just one more stat before I get started. And this is really interesting. There's over 1,800 language groups on earth that have still never heard the gospel. 1,800 language groups that have not heard the gospel. There's people all over this world that are desperately waiting. They don't have a Psalm 23. They don't have a John 3:16. They don't have a John 1-1. They don't have a Genesis 1-1. And when we sit and we're excited to share our favorite scripture verse or when we're down and out and we can think of scripture that lifts us up, they don't have that. And so we have a responsibility. Amen? So how do we get started with that? And um, as I prepared for today, I thought about something that I hear all the time and it just really hit me. And it's this, this thought, this idea, and if you're, you're my age or older, this makes sense to you. If you're younger, you're like, what does that mean? But so often in life, we put the cart before the horse, right? We, we, we kind of want you to do something, but we don't explain to you why. And, and I'm not just speaking in the church, I'm speaking across the board, a blanket statement. And so as I prepared for today, I was praying and I, I just, I was asking God, how, how do we talk about missions? How do we talk about project impact? How do we talk about all these things? If people still don't understand the weight of it, what impact will it have on their life? And as I prepared today, my message for us today is joyful obedience. And it's interesting. I was sitting with a missionary back in October and November of 2023 and He's given his life. Him and his wife have given. They're in Africa. They've given uh, their lives for the kingdom of God. They run an orphanage. Um, they minister to the people in their context. Um, he is American and has completely given his life for the kingdom of God. And he said to me, there's something interesting about Christ's followers. He said, we have an opportunity to serve the kingdom of God, but I believe that God desires of us joyful obedience and he said a lot of things that day. I think we met for about two hours. He, he was just a joy to be around, and, and he just kept talking. <laughs> it was incredible. It was wonderful. But he said joyful obedience, and when he said that, it hit my heart, and it really impacted my life, and I thought there's a big difference. And so let's talk about today what joyful obedience looks like. And my first point today is his mission is our mission. In Luke 4, 42 through 44, the Bible says, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. So he's telling them, I'm here, but it's not just here. I got to go to the other towns as well. I can't just stay here. You guys love that I'm here. Jesus is telling the people, you guys love that I'm here, right? I'm paraphrasing. But I have to go to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus says, that's why I was sent. 
Jesus' response to the crowds was that he knew why he was here. He understood his mission. We are Christ followers, right? Disciples, Christ followers, whatever we would call ourselves, right? And so our mission needs to become his mission. His mission has to be our mission. Because we can't follow Christ and not be on mission with him. You're not actually following him. You're not actually a disciple because the disciples followed their teachers and their teacher was the rabbi and the rabbi was Jesus. And if Jesus is our rabbi and he's our teacher, then we are supposed to follow him. And where he's going, we're supposed to go. And so he says to them and to the other towns as well, why is this important? It's important because many times I have conversations with people and they're like, there's a lot to do here. And you're absolutely right. Stop by the missions hub. We have local outreach. Maybe not even through our local outreach. There's plenty of work to do in our community and we are all fully aware of that, right? But it's not just here. Jesus never said it's just here in Judea. He said, I must go to the other towns as well. And so it was never just here. It's wherever else he would send us in joyful obedience because as a Christ follower, I must, must, must follow Christ. I must follow him if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus came. He said, I'm here on a mission, paraphrasing. I'm here on a mission. And for us, his mission must become our mission. What does that mean for us? I think at times, like I said, I was, as I was writing things down and I was prayerfully considering and I was like, man, I, I want a joyful message. Like I want, I want a joy, come on God, I want a joyful message. But it, beca it became very weighty very quickly because I think there's times that we just don't understand. We don't understand. We don't understand why is this important? Why is this mission so important? What are, what are they talking about when they tell us to go on a mission trip? What are they talking about when they tell us to live life on mission? What are they talking about when they're telling us like partner with us for project impact? Why does this matter to me? What does it matter if I'm part of this mission? And I believe, I believe that the reason we struggle with that is because we still do not understand the grace of God in our lives. I believe that when we understand God's grace in our life, we will live a life of joyful obedience. I truly believe that when you have the grace of God in your life and you've understood like the song that we just sang, all the things that he's done for you and I, my only response is joyful obedience. And maybe in the beginning it'll be a little begrudgingly, a begrudging obedience. And maybe it's kind of like, eh, obedience. But as I continue to see God's grace in my life, I will live a life of joyful obedience. See, I believe that the grace of God in our life will lead us to this life of joyful obedience. And that's why I, I want to talk about this today because I didn't want to talk about, it would be so easy to be like, man, go out to the missions hub. I want you to go on a trip with me this year. I want you to sign up for a trip. I want you to start serving. Yes, of course, because we are Christ's followers. And we're supposed to be on mission for him. We are called to live our life on mission for him. As Christ followers, we're called to live out this life the same way he did. Hence, Christ followers. Yes, I would love to tell you all those things. But I have to explain first that until you get to a place in your life where you're following him because of joyful obedience, because you've understood the grace of God in your own life, None of this will make sense to you. 
It'll all feel like, what's the point? Okay, I come to church on Sunday, wonderful. I'm just waiting to get to heaven. That's it. And that's why it's so important to understand when we talk about the going, which is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. And for some people, it makes it difficult to understand. What does that mean? See, for me, joyful obedience kicks in when you come to understand that Jesus has already done all these things for you. It's interesting, my life group on Thursday, we, we wrote down, what are the things that God has done for us? Why is God good to us? Why do we believe, we just saying it, God, you're so good, you're so good, you're so good, you're so good to me. And we can list all the things that he's done, right? We can list, we, we, if we've been saved, if we've surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ and we are saved, we can say, Lord, you saved me from my wretchedness. Lord, you saved me from drug addiction. Lord, you saved me from alcoholism. Lord, you saved me from a life of crime. Lord, you saved me from a hateful heart. Lord, you, you forgave me. You redeemed me. And so we can list out all these things and all the things that he's done for our lives. When we understand the grace of God in our lives, the response is joyful obedience. It's joyful obedience because like, man, I wouldn't be here. I would not be here. And now my only response is, dad, what do you want me to do next? Heavenly father, what, what, what do you want me to do next? I think we spend so much of our lives like, man, I wonder what my purpose is in life. I, I wonder, our purpose is to follow Christ. That's our purpose. And the beautiful thing is that it's not hidden from us. It's in the word. It's not like some secret code that only some people have access to. There's not like a secret society that has access to God's purpose and plan in your life. You find purpose and your plan for, for your life in joyful obedience. In that moment, it's like, okay, God, I will. Okay, yes, I will. All right, Lord, yes, I'll go. Okay, yes, Lord, I'll give. Okay, this feels a little painful, but yes, Lord, I will. Because of all you've already done for me, my response to you, Lord, is yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. But until we understand the grace of God in our lives, I don't believe, and I could be wrong, and I'd love to have a real long conversation with you. I don't believe we understand what it looks like and feels like to be obedient, joyfully obedient, joyfully obedient, until you've understood the grace of God in your life. I don't. I think it's when you come face to face with Jesus and what he's truly done in your life that your response is yes and amen. It's like the word of God says, our, our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. When we look at a perfect God that redeemed us and washed us white as snow and shed his blood for us so that we could be in right standing with him and we can't believe that we get to access him, then and only then can I respond with joyful obedience. Outside of that, it's begrudging, right? Outside of that, we struggle. We, we have a hard time being able to respond with a yes because somehow we believe that our lives are pretty okay without him, right? We believe that there's not much weight to any of this. I say this often, what you care about most is what you spend your time on, your time, your treasures, your talents. You'll, you'll hear me say it all the time. It's true. How we live our lives, how we spend our money, how we spend our time is a reflection of what's the most important thing for us. That's just truth. That's not condemnation. That's just truth. 
And so for us, when we look at that as a Christ follower, what does that look like? When we talk about things like Project Impact, Project 42, all these different things that we support, when we talk about missions and going and giving and, and praying, by the way, we have a prayer night, Tuesday night, all are welcome, 6 p.m., right here in the worship center. It's important to pray. Not much gets done in the kingdom of God without prayer. Actually, not much at all. I had a missionary say to me, if you pumped a million dollars into this ministry and you're not praying for us, you did nothing. Because Satan will come and destroy it because our battle is spiritual, it's spiritual warfare. And so it's so important to be praying. I think that we feel that this world really isn't so bad. And so when you think about going into this world, when you talk about being on mission for God and his mission becoming our mission, the reason it's probably not so important to so many of us is because we actually don't think that this world is too bad. We've gotten so acclimated to living here and being here and just coming to church on a Sunday that when we see people in their lostness, we're good with it. We're okay. Here's the sad reality is that everyone is spiritually poor without Jesus. It doesn't matter if you live in a $50,000 house or a $5 million house. If you don't have Jesus, you are spiritually bankrupt. You're poor. You're poor. Your neighbor that has that nice million dollar house, you better go share Jesus with them. Because if they don't have Jesus, they are poor. See, we get wrapped up on like this nice little box of like, if this is nice and they have a nice car and they have a nice house and I don't have to minister to them. But the Bible teaches us otherwise. What profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Forfeit his soul. So us, for us, for us, as Christ followers, his mission has to become our mission. Because whether you're going to spend the rest of your life here in Berks County or whatever county you live in, God still has called you to share the good news of the gospel with the people around you. So when you say to me, I'm not going on a mission ship, I haven't been called overseas, wonderful, you've been tasked to share the gospel with the people around you. This is your mission field. And this brings me to my second point. I think there's times that because we've gotten so comfortable here, we've truly never taken up our cross. You know, I grew up in the church, and I, I've heard this my whole life. It's biblical. It's Matthew 16, 24. Take up your cross and follow me, right? We sing it, too. Like, take up your cross, follow me. Like, this is like, this is something that we sing. This is something we've read. If you're new and this is your first time, it's something that church people say. Christians say this. They say, I'm going to take up my cross and follow Jesus. And I, I think we don't even understand what that means. <laughs> I think that that's, it becomes so, so commonplace to us that we don't understand. See, when we say that I'm going to take up my cross to follow Jesus because if I'm on mission with Christ, Christ died for us. He had to take up his cross even when he asked the Father, and if you know the Bible, you know this, even when he said to his Father, our Heavenly Father, Dad, if there's someone else that could possibly take my place, let me know. Please let me know if there's someone else that might be able to stand in my place. But Jesus took up the cross and died in our place. But then there's a second part. He invites us to take up the cross and follow him. 
See, it's not just giving your heart to Jesus and then very casually sitting here on a Sunday or living day to day in the mundane. But he says, whoever comes must pick up their cross and follow me. See, I didn't just accept Jesus Christ so that I can float around until I die or we're out of here. He said, Maritza, if you're going to follow me, you're, you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. See, if you're, if you're saying yes to serving me, then I, I, I got to tell you this because I told the disciples and I'm telling you too, you have to pick up your cross and follow me. That means you're going to die to self. That means that my life is going to be fully lived in your life. That means that your old life has to go because now your kingdom living. That means that now you crucify all the things that keep you back and hold you back that you hold on to so tightly in this world. And now you're going to pick up your cross and you're going to follow me. He said it to the disciples. We're no different. We can't say we're in the 21st century. We live in Berks County or whatever county, Allegheny County, Schuylkill County, all the counties. It doesn't matter. I know we're not going to stand before God and say, God, we lived in the 21st century. We lived in Berks County. I live in Berks County. I, I, I know that you told the disciples to take up their cross and to follow you and to deny themselves and all these things, but that's different for us. I just don't believe that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to have a lot of weight. And I think for us as Christ followers, and I have to reiterate Christ followers because we're either church attendees or we're Christ followers. Like, like let's just be real because we love each other. We're either a church attendee or you're a Christ follower. A Christ follower will take up their cross and follow Jesus. They will deny themselves, take up their Christ, and God's mission will then become their mission. And they will do it with joyful obedience because they've understood the grace of God. They've understood the grace of God in their lives. And so it's always that choice, and, and it, it doesn't apply if I still haven't understood the grace of God. This is what following Jesus looks like. This is incredible, and this is why it's so important to live in the grace of God, to live on mission for God, because we're here and we're responsible for our life here, right? We're supposed to be good stewards. We model Christ to this world. We're supposed to be in right living in this life, right? People are watching us. But we're not called to live here and just set up camp here. This is temporal. This is very temporal. Are we supposed to be good swords? Absolutely. Are we supposed to model the way for this world that's watching us? Absolutely. But so often, we're holding on so tightly to the things of this world that we're like, I can't pick up my cross. I can't say yes. And I love Revelation 7, 9. It says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. This is absolutely beautiful. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is Revelation 7, 9 through 10. This is a beautiful reminder to us in scripture that it doesn't end here. That one day we will spend eternity with Christ and every tribe, 
every tongue and every nation matter to God. I can't passively walk through this earth thinking that my life is the only one that matters, that my family is the only one that matters, that my church is the only one that matters. God is concerned for the whole world. And he's called you and I to be concerned for the whole world. And he invites us to take up the cross and follow him into this amazing life. Amazing life that one day when you see him face to face, you can say, I told them about Jesus. I told them about Jesus. I, I told them about Jesus. And I, th I think we forget that. And it's, it's hard for us because you can't take up your cross if you're holding on to all the things in this life. You just can't. Which then again puts us back, sets us back because you can't be on mission for him if you won't take up your cross. You can't. You, you can't live on mission for God and be part of his mission if you haven't taken up your cross. I love it. It is. It's Matthew 16, 24. He says, then Jesus said to his disciples, this is scripture, guys, scripture. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. That's beautiful. It's a win-win with God. It's win-win with God. It's not even a matter, see, when you understand the grace of God in your life, it's not even a matter, is this worth it? Because it is. Because even if you lose your life here, you will find it, he says. There's no losing in God's kingdom. He says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or can anyone give an exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Jesus says to the disciples in Matthew 4 verses 18 through 20. Come follow me, Jesus said. And I will send you out to fish for people. And at once, at once. They left their nets and followed him. This is taking up your cross. We can't just say, I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior and never take up our cross. It's not Christ's living because it's not one piece and let the other one out. I can't accept Jesus Christ as my personal savior and say I'm a Christ follower and not take up my cross. If it applied to the disciples, it applies to us. And what happens if we decide not to? What happens in this world if we decide, you know what? I don't want to take up my cross. I'm very comfortable in my life. I don't want to be joyfully obedient. I don't want to honor God. And it sounds bizarre to say it because I think we think it. But when we articulate it, when we say it, it has a lot of weight. I'm really comfortable coming to church. But I'm too comfortable to take up my cross. I'm really happy that I get to be part of the church, but I'm not excited about being on mission for God. It feels really good to be part of a church, but I'm not going to forfeit the things of this world. I want the things of this world. See, and Jesus says we, we can't do both because you, 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 you can't take up the cross and still wanting to hold on to all these things. The Bible says you would forfeit your soul. So our response matters. How we respond, you think of it as a parent. I'm a parent. Some of you are parents in here. 
you can ask your kids to do something, right? And if they respond and they're like, oh, I don't even want to do this. It hurts you, right? You ask your kid to do something and their response is, oh, Lord, again? Why me? Ask the other sibling. If you're an only child, you have no hope. No hope for only children. It's you, you, and you. But if there's more than one, you know as a parent that it grieves your spirit. And it's frustrating as a parent when you say to your child, can you help me with this? And their response is, why do I always have to? I don't want to. Ask someone else. Tell someone else to do it. And that's how we respond to God. God knocks at the door of your heart. He convicts you because he loves you, because that's what conviction does. It transforms us because he loves us. And he's knocking for a long time. Our heavenly father, I asked you, and you keep pointing your finger at someone else. Ask her. Tell her. Ask him. Tell him. See, our response matters. When we don't respond to God's mission with joyful obedience, in whatever context, you may never go to another country. Maybe God has you right here, but you are called to pray for everyone you work with, to minister to your neighbors, to pour into the kingdom of God. Like I said, to give extravagantly. And you know what? It's interesting, the extravagant giving, like I told you about the missions tip jar, some of you might have thrown 50 cents in there, but you gave. And whether you're going to commit to giving $5 a month to Project Impact or $5,000 a month, that's between you and God. He wants joyful obedience. The Bible says cheerful giver. And not just of our money. That's ridiculous. He wants our heart. Every time, your treasure, your talents, every part of your life where you're excited. And like I said, if you're a parent, you understand this. When your child responds, it's like, yes, mom, what do you need me to do? Yes, dad, how can I help you? Your heart, right? You get in that place where you're like, I love them. Like, they're, that's my favorite kid. I don't have one of those. <laughs> they're not always willing to help. Praise the Lord. That's a different session, probably a parenting one. But... You get it. There's a difference. And see, God is so patient with us. And he loves us so much. He continues to pursue us. He continues to call us in. But man, joyful obedience, that's a whole other level. I believe God smiles. I believe God's heart rejoices when we respond with joyful obedience. God, I, I've done it begrudgingly, but now I want to love you extravagantly. I've been that kid that always complains about everything. But Lord, I understand your sacrifice for me. I understand your grace. And because I understand your grace now, I want to love you extravagantly, Lord. I want to joyfully serve you. I want to enter into your mission, God. And I know that for all of us, God's called us to do something. Because we're Christ's followers. So he's called each and every one of us to do something. Here's what we all know. Every person will spend eternity somewhere. And that's our responsibility. God's left us here to fulfill his mission. Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. 
because that is why I was sent. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, it is the whole business. Check this out. It is the whole business of the whole church to preach the whole gospel to the whole world. That is our business. It is our business to go everywhere. And people are like, you don't have to go. Yes, we do. We're going to Guatemala in three weeks. We're going to a Mayan village that has never had an American church set foot there. A village in Guatemala who's never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. The missionary's like, it's going to be rough. Will you come? And I said, yes. Because it is the whole business of the whole church to preach the whole gospel to the whole world. And so whether it's uncomfortable and unknown and difficult, it doesn't matter. Because those Mayans need to hear the whole gospel. Because one day they're going to be standing before the Lord waving their palm branches in their own native tongue. And we're going to say, I told you about Jesus. They're here because I told you about Jesus. It is the whole church's responsibility. When we don't respond, here's what happens. We forfeit what God had for us. You will spend the rest of your life trying to figure out what's missing in your life. And I'm going to make it real easy for you right now. When you joyfully don't obey Christ and take up your cross and live on mission for him, you will spend the rest of your life feeling like something's missing. And rightfully so. Because what he called you to do, you didn't do. So you'll always ponder, well, I don't know, I've done all these things, but I, I don't feel anything. I feel weird. I, I feel like something's missing. Yes. Because when we don't answer God's call on our lives, you will forfeit what God had for you. Not because he didn't want to give it to you. You didn't want it. You said, what about her? What about him? I'm going to ask Pastor Dan to come out. And I want you guys to posture your hearts and to listen to this beautiful song. And I believe God is going to speak to you and I'll be back out in a few moments. But I want you to meditate on what God is speaking to you today. Glory to Jesus. Thank you. I can hear my Savior calling Take up your cross and follow me Let my heart move in sweet surrender Lord, it's my joy to say yes to you So send me Send me Oh, I'll go Be lived 
seen high Lord as your church and as your children oh it's our joy to say yes to you so send me send me I'll go I'll go anywhere Send me Send me Cause I'll go hub and sign up for a trip go check out our local go groups that you can be a part of 
And I do want you to do all those things, but I don't want you to do those things today. I don't want this to be an emotional response. I want it to be a personal, joyful obedience response. I want you to go home this week and pray. And maybe right now the Holy Spirit did touch your heart and you're like, I need to be joyfully obedient. And you're gonna go home and you're gonna look at our missions page and you're gonna say, God, where are you sending me? And maybe you're already serving, but God is calling you into a different season of life to do something new for his kingdom. And for some of you, you're gonna take this and hopefully for all of you, and you're gonna say, I don't have much, but God, I commit a dollar for Project Impact every month. Or God, I commit $50 or $100, whatever it is, Lord, I will joyfully respond to what you are asking me to do today. Don't let anything hold you back. You have homework. You're gonna go home. You're gonna ask God. You're gonna pray. And you're gonna respond to God. And for some of you, your first response is to ask Jesus into your heart. Because none of this can happen without the grace of God in your life. The going, the giving, it's begrudging, it's painful, right? It's painful when we still haven't responded and understood the grace of God. When they ask us to give, we're like, oh God. When they ask us to go, we're like, oh me. But when we understand the grace of God, it's joyful obedience. It's joyful obedience. His mission becomes our mission. We joyfully take up our cross and surrender all and follow him. We respond because we know how important it is because every soul will spend eternity somewhere. But we won't understand it until he becomes the Lord and savior of our lives. And so today as I pray and want me to pray us out, if you have yet to make Jesus the Lord of your life and you're saying yes today, when we dismiss, I want you to come up front and we wanna pray with you. We're gonna have an altar team and we're gonna pray for you. And if there's anything else that you might be struggling with, we wanna pray with you. And for the rest of you, you have a task. We have 365 days, not even anymore. We already lost January. But to joyfully respond to whatever it is he's asking us to do. Draw the line in the sand and don't let another day go by. Don't forfeit what God has for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word that 2,000 years later, you are still inviting us to take up our cross and to follow you, Lord Jesus, to go into mission with you because as Christ followers, you've commissioned us to live life on mission for your kingdom, God. And whether it's here, around the world, whatever it is that you are asking individually of each and every one of us, God, I pray for every single person gathered in this room, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that they would be obedient, joyfully obedient, God, that they wouldn't allow one more day to go by, that they wouldn't be church attendees, but they would be able to declare that they are Christ's followers, that they have joyfully taken up their cross and are following you, Jesus, because they understand that it's by grace that we have been saved, Lord. I thank you, God for this congregation. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for those brothers and sisters watching online, God. I pray your blessing over them. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to do a mighty work in their lives. I pray that you would launch them this year, God, that they would enlist in the army of God to do the work and the mission of God while we still have time, Jesus. Help us, Holy Spirit, to joyfully, obediently serve you, God. We love you. I pray your blessing over every single one of us today. Would you go before us, Jesus? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless everyone. See you here tonight, 6 p.m.
worship night. That might be your first act of joyful obedience. Coming back tonight at 6 p.m. God bless everyone. If you need prayer, we're here.